welcome to Quirky, Creepy, and Freaky, a podcast where I tell you about wonky animal facts. I'm your host, Olivia, and each week I will share with you a different weird fact from the animal kingdom. Once again this week, we have news! We are now on Apple Podcasts, so you can now find us on iTunes, Apple Music, whatever Apple app you use to listen podcasts, it should be there. So now rate, review, tell your friends, all that good stuff. Getting into this week, we have the next aforementioned Parasite episode. These guys give me way more heebie-jeebies than the parasitoid wasps do, and I figure it's only nice to give you a content warning, Uh, but I guess be warned for the content warning, the content warning itself might be a little bit on the creepy side. If the idea of critters boring into skin or growing under skin really freaks you out and you find it disturbing, you may want to skip this episode. If this is your first time listening, maybe go to last week's episode about monarch migrations first. I do want to tell people about freaky animal things, but I also don't want to scar people for life without warning, so consider yourself warned. Also, if you decide to Google pictures of these guys, that is also at your own risk. And unlike the parasitoid wasp episode, you will only get one warning. There won't be a second warning later. The creepiness is really kind of throughout the whole episode this time. So, here we go. We're going to consider that our mysterious introduction. So, this week we are talking about botflies. Botflies go by a few common names, so there is a chance you may have heard them referred to as warbleflies, heelflies, or even gadflies. The flies I will be talking about are all in family Estridae, and are parasites of mammals. They can be found around the world, but they aren't a very diverse bunch. As of 2016, at least, there were only 165 described species, but there are some new species being discovered and added to the list, so by now there may be a few more, but I couldn't find a predicted number of species, so I don't know if we really know or have a guess on a species count for these guys. Specifically in North America, there are 34 species, 12 of them that will often parasitize rodents, and then 22 that will infest lagomorphs, and those include your rabbits and hares. Many of them grow in the skin, but some do grow in the gut. And a fun fact that I learned in my research is that there's another group of botflies within the Musidae family, and they parasitize tropical and subtropical birds. For this episode, though, we'll just be focusing on the mammal botflies. So these guys are obligate parasites, meaning they rely on their host, and specifically it is the larval stage that parasitizes the host mammal. Uh, Just about every mammal can be parasitized by a botfly. Thinking about it, not sure about marine mammals, though. I think we're really just looking at terrestrial mammals here. So this includes marsupials, elephants, horses, rodents, rabbits, livestock, and even humans. That list is an abbreviated list. There are more mammals that can be infected. As adults, the botflies can actually look kind of cute, despite their horrendous larval habits. Some species resemble a bumblebee, and they look kind of like you took a bumblebee, rounded it out some, and then floofed it on out in the dryer, so they are at least a little bit cute. 
Uh, but when we talk about the rest of their life cycle, they get a little less cute. I will later talk about a couple different species, including the human botfly, because different species infect their hosts in slightly different ways. There are a couple of different ways that uh, the larval or that the larvae stage will get into the skin layer. In some cases, the botfly will use an intermediate vector to get their eggs on their host, like houseflies, mosquitoes, and in the case of the human botfly, Dermatobia hominis, some species of tick will be used as well, and in most cases it will be some of the blood-sucking insects or parasite critters. For some botfly species that parasitize rodents, which we'll mention later, they will lay their eggs on vegetation in and around burrows or in areas frequented by their rodent host. The eggs will develop in a few days, and then hatching is not triggered until the egg comes in contact with a warm host. Once that contact is made, the larvae will hatch within a few seconds and will find its way into the skin one way or another and make a home there to develop. They will often make a lesion, which is referred to as a warble as they grow, and when I was in North Carolina, there was a squirrel that visited my yard fairly regularly that had a pretty big abscess from botfly larvae. After the larvae are finished developing, usually after a few weeks, but in some cases as many as a couple of months, it will fall out of the host and then burrow into the soil to pupate and develop into an adult botfly. Note, I guess the slight good news here is that botflies are parasites, not parasitoids, so their intention is not to kill their host. They want their host to continue to stay alive in order to provide a safe developing place and fluids to eat as they develop. Since they are burrowing into the skin, they will cause some tissue damage and a good amount of pain. Deaths are quite rare, but they do occur, and it's often due to secondary infections. In small animals, both mammal and bird, if the host is very heavily infected by larvae, that can also kill the host. But in the majority of cases, the host will come out of it alive and relatively unscathed. Larval infections can also be treated by super carefully removing the larvae from the skin, making sure to remove the whole thing and not letting any part of the larvae break off. If it does break off, it will cause a severe infection within that site, so removal should really be done by a doctor. If you did happen to have a botfly infection, this would not really be something you should DIY. At minimum, do it like under a doctor's supervision. So, as mentioned, there are a few different methods that the fly larvae use to enter skin. In our first case, we will look at the mouse spot fly, Cuterebra fontanella, and this species can be found through most of the continental United States. The white-footed mouse is the typical host, but it will also parasitize the house mouse, Norway rat, roof rat, and potentially even voles and chipmunks. Adult flies lay their eggs on vegetation near dens and other common areas where the hosts would come in contact with the eggs. Once contact is made with a developed egg, the egg hatches and the larvae climbs onto the hosts and looks for a mucus-lined opening into the body, so this would be areas like the mouth, nose, or anus. 
Once there, it migrates through the body for about five days until it finds its way into the deep tissue layers just underneath the skin or in the lowest layers of the skin. It creates an opening there for it to be able to breathe through and then develops for about 21 days. So when you see squirrels with bot fly infections, it may be a different bot fly, but they gain access to the skin in very much the same way. So then looking at the human bot fly, Dermatobia hominis, this species gains access to the skin layers in a slightly different way. As I said, it is known as the human bot fly, but it is actually a pretty generalist parasite. It will parasitize a variety of livestock, other primates, rabbits, and in some cases, even some tropical birds, but hence being referred to as the human bot fly, it's really the only bot fly that will parasitize people on purpose. Dermatobia hominis does have a pretty big range going from southern Mexico down to northern Argentina, and these flies do use an intermediate vector to get their eggs onto their host instead of just laying them somewhere and hoping the host comes in contact. Typically, they will use a blood-sucking parasite, they will use tick species, but they also use quite a few different fly species, including many different mosquitoes. Once the egg comes in contact with the host, the larvae hatches and then just bores right on into the skin through the bite wound that the vector left. As they grow, they will use their mouth parts to dig deeper into the skin. They can take up to 128 days to develop. And then the last larval stage exits the host body and then drops on into the soil. Fortunately, bot flies are typically not very common in most areas. So even in the case of the human bot fly, it doesn't occur in great enough numbers to be considered a pest species. And then in the case of non-human bot flies, most people will likely go their entire lives without seeing an infected critter. So really, you, these guys are quite creepy, but in most cases, you don't need to worry about these guys too much. And it is also quite fortunate that it is very treatable as long as you're very careful with it. Even so, I think some good morals of the story here is to use bug spray, prevent those mosquito and tick bites, and if you're in the wrong place at the right time and suspect you do have a bot flay larvae, just go to the doctor, don't do it yourself, and finally, maybe we'll just wait a good while until we talk about gross parasites again. Thank you for listening to this week's episode, and be sure to tune in next week to next week's episode. You can find me on Amazon Music, Audible, Podbean, and now iTunes. Rate and review on iTunes and share us with a friend or anyone who you think needs some more animal facts in their life. If you have a favorite quirky, creepy, or freaky animal fact, send them on in at quirkycreepyfreakypod at gmail.com and it may be featured in a future episode. Audio editing and recording done by me, Olivia Strait. Intro music created by Kaylee Strait. Thank you for listening.